This is the Ideas from Europe podcast, episode number six. Thank you for downloading our podcast. So today we're going to dip into our archives to bring you a segment from our event in 2020, specifically into our virtual roundtable discussion about people flows. In the clip, you're going to hear from our host, Tess, as she talks with a range of professionals and entrepreneurs in this sector. Now, we'll be dipping into the archives again next week to cover the other major areas of ideas from Europe, including personalized medicine, space wisdom for smart cities and energy storage. So without further ado, let's get started. My name is Thierry Roos. I'm a CEO and founder of Combo Software, which is a company founded more than 35 years ago. And what we do already for 35 years is always to make our products with partners so that we can know our knowledge and their knowledge together to make products which are better than what you normally get from mid companies. And so we can also compete to the big companies. Currently, we're working on a new range of products with the implementation of facial recognition on several places. Our system is assured here at design. So our system is 100% GDPR proof. We only recognize these people who give us prior permission that we may recognize them. We have a constant improvement of our algorithm, and we are still working on that. On this moment, we have a false positive rate less than one on 100,000, and speed is 0.4 seconds on 10 million faces. This is a little bit background information you need if you want to speak together on what you and I maybe want to do. I can bring this all to this business as an SDK, what is very easy to implement in other systems. Also, what we can do outside of the face recognition on the same time, we can measure the temperature of people. And that is also with a form you can let fill in people to the last 24 hours before an event or before they started to fly. Uh, that you can uh, let them fill in and heels form that they say that they are not so ill, that they don't cough, that they don't have high temperature and all these kinds of things. What we need to do this, we need companies who can help us to improve that we can see how the distances from people before they go through an entrance to each other and when they are in the stadiums or in the venues or on the airport. These are things I think you need to make it to a complete system. That's what I can bring to uh, this question. Thank you very much. And I believe that's very important because what you just mentioned is that you actually have a key to open the door for many technologies to actually align with your GDPR proof algorithm. Because as soon as that door has been opened and others still need to go through that testing, they could align to your solution, deliver the data to you, and then that might be a solution for them to actually go to market. And this is what we're looking for. Where are the communities of people that are needed to deliver one integral solution? And as Walter just mentioned, that's something that they are looking at from a SAS Institute and ILAB's point of view as well. And this is where I believe 
that we have to, we can listen to each other and understand what new connections can be made and how can we actually uh, use these connections to start up this European Entrepreneurship Roundtable and make sure that we leverage these opportunities as if they were export products for the Netherlands. So how can we leverage our tech solutions, find the key to deliver them to the market and offer that as one big proposition? So in that sense, I would actually like uh, to go back to Lika and, um, and the, based on the story where Lika found another example where there is a lot of links and connections to be made, we can come back and see if there's even an entertainable uh, solution for the both of these cases. Yes, because it's great to hear what they are doing with the airports and they have a lot of support I understood by the airports and it's a great project. But uh, not only on airports, also on events and I believe even now in the stadiums for soccer players, there are great things going on and this is this great concept called Smart Distance Lab. They had a great uh, event in August in the Kolmhout Hall in Amsterdam. Uh, there was this uh, test lab actually where uh, there was cooperation between uh, venues, events, art world, uh, universities, and everybody was working together to see if they could uh, put this idea into a more uh, concrete uh, result and to see if uh, they could measure the people flows uh, going on there. And uh, I have here Tessa Blanca, I think, from the University of Amsterdam, and she will tell a little bit more about the results of what was going on there. Tessa. Uh, yes, thank you for uh, inviting me into this uh, session. Uh, as the University of Amsterdam, we uh, collaborated with the Smart Distance Lab in uh, August, and we actually um, had different uh, interventions and different conditions. And the idea was to see whether different technological solutions uh, might have different effects on the people flows. And uh, specifically, we're interested to see whether we can actually nudge behavior to promote uh, social distancing, because that's what uh, we all want to do uh, in order to be able to actually uh, host these events again. So we had different conditions and now we're working on comparing these uh, different interventions to see uh, what is actually um, working. And uh, in this, we are uh, developing a framework where we see the people as uh, a net, we basically construct a network of people. So the people represent nodes and whenever they have a contact on the event, there uh, is a link between the two people. And this allows us to uh, evaluate how the contact networks for, uh, differ for different interventions. So we, for example, tested whether different walking directions had an effect or whether it was working if people were wearing a buzzer that actually notified them when they were within one and a half meters uh, of, one, uh, of each other. And the first results, uh, it's still very preliminary, but seem to indicate uh, that indeed these notches can work. Uh, the, uh, when, whenever we had a single distance, so like only uh, people could only walk in one directions, yeah, that, that uh, made uh, uh, the, it was very clear to people and that also had a good effect on the number of contacts they had. And similarly, when we used the buzzer and people were notified whenever they were too close to each other, that also uh, could uh, provide a valuable solution um, for uh, promoting distance. And uh, we would like to, to actually uh, do this again and then uh, have different technical solutions. So also we would, for example, very much like 
if we could not only encode whether people had a contact with each other, but also, also how long this contact was and maybe even place the people within the location. So there's still a lot to be, uh, to be done. Yeah, so you, so you emphasize that you want to do it again. And I think as a University of Amsterdam, you need a lot of partners to do that. Like in the Smart Distance Lab, you had to work with an event and a venue and things like that. Could you tell us a little bit about the co uh, collaboration? Yes, definitely. So I think there's uh, the technological part. We're not a we, we're not experts on the tech technology. So having these tech solutions that you've been talking about, I think uh, that's crucial to work together. And also the events. We're not uh, we, we're not hosting the events ourselves. So we really want to bring to the table a framework where we can actually evaluate different settings, different nudges, because it's it's very important. Like behavior is super important, and it's also uh, very needed that we can actually compare this. So we want to bring this framework, but we would need to work together with events and with technological solutions. Nice. Yeah. So um, I'm, I'm hoping over now to uh, Maya. Uh, she's also here in the call. You are the one who brought everybody together, who came up with the idea and started looking uh, for people uh, uh, through this method and, and seeing if you could bring them together and get them to work together. Could you tell us a little bit more about that? Um, yes, uh, uh, some months ago uh, when uh, it started that everything uh, shut down, uh, I thought we have to be wiser than this. We have to be uh, uh, more advanced in our knowledge of uh, uh, behavior. We're the be one of the best behaviors. We have one of the best uh, behavior science uh, department uh, where Tessa comes from of the world. And at the same time, our prime minister is saying on television, don't go and buy a lot before the lockdown. And what does everybody do? They buy a lot. So all these kind of things, we could be so much wiser. And that's actually what we did in the Smart Distance Lab. We just started to think, how can we be more wise? And there's so much technology and everything that we can measure if our uh, uh, knowledge of how to uh, uh, nudge behavior much more sensibly also works. So then we also have the scientific proof of the uh, uh, the social knowledge. Okay, and uh, so there is a, a total solution now uh, in this smart distance lab. And I hear that you also have plans to uh, go to a, like a second trial, even more in the future, more international cities. Yeah, we have now some knowledge, but there's so much more knowledge uh, around us and everybody uh, uh, now comes together. So we're looking at certain venues where we could, of course, uh, uh, do what we did before. But especially as you, as you look at our uh, football stadiums in the Netherlands and then look at the arena in Amsterdam, they have a complete digital surroundings. They know where people go. Uh, uh, they've made it all big. Digital smart and they can follow, predict, and everything. So, what we actually are now uh, uh, have uh, uh, come up with, and which we are going to uh, uh, try to get to work in the coming months, is that uh, uh, with the VU, the UVA, uh, so Tessa, with Teno, with Geodan, uh, with all, uh, a lot of knowledge institutes and a lot of startups and companies, we're going to work together on. Uh, uh, finding out how people move around the arena and in the arena and how you can 
help them with social distancing. And if we can use that knowledge also in other countries with other arenas so that we can go back to international football with people on the, uh, cheering them on. Okay, that's good. So actually, that's your call to action also. Now you need those international venues and events. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it would be great if uh, uh, other stadiums in other countries would say, well, we also have a, a, a partnership with uh, uh, tech, uh, technical companies to, uh, uh, or we would like to have that. So please come and uh, talk to us. Please, uh, uh, we want to join. And also other knowledge institutes that are good in this. Uh, 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 everybody's welcome. Uh, let's make this one big uh, uh, getting back to a football, uh, sta uh, full football stadia. Yeah. I think everybody will agree that that is the goal. And indeed, it's a, it's a global challenge. So it, it cannot be solved here locally. We need uh, a global uh, assistance. And I also think that it's important to look maybe for countries where there is more possible because I thought I understood that there's a problem now because there aren't many events organized. Yeah. We don't have opportunities to uh, to look for solutions, right? Yeah, and uh, but we will have, of course. Let's be ready then. And we only need one bit of uh, uh, tribune uh, uh, with some people. We don't need a, a complete full stadium to do, go and do the first uh, 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 research. But there's other countries where they are not in code red, but they might be in code yellow or code green, where a little bit more is possible, or where they have not one and a half meter, but one meter. So we can also use each other's cultural uh, uh, differences, but also each other's uh, COVID differences in uh, uh, testing. And, and uh, in that way, we can make a lot more, uh, we can go a lot faster than if we would just work in the Netherlands. Okay, that's cute. thank you. Maya van der Steenhoven, the Smart Distance Lab. You mentioned that there is a cultural difference and uh, the countries uh, aren't all the same. And I was wondering how that uh, is with uh, collecting data, because that's, of course, always with collecting data, a big problem with privacy and issues like that. And we have also in the call, uh, May Offermans from the CBS. Are you there? Your sound on? Yeah. Yeah, there you are. I'd like to ask you, how is, is the Netherlands doing, uh, seen worldwide with, with the collecting of data and getting information and things like that? Um, well, I think we're not doing really well. So if you look at other countries, uh, they're much farther, they're more advanced, they have much better data. And I think one of the things is also the the idea of, of, of privacy and also the idea of collecting data. I think that's a very sensitive thing because people think very quickly that it is surveillance. And even if you have very good measures and you have thought of, of the GDPR and took all, everything into account, all the legal issues, people still have this idea of, okay, we are not like China, where everybody is just tracking us and everybody is following us. So there is not, I think there's not really a healthy discussion about the, the privacy breach. You always do with every kind of data collection, there is some kind of small uh, private breach, just like a doctor who does some research at you. Uh, and there should be a balance with the goal. And the goal could be saving lives or having more freedom to move, uh, which is also uh, an important uh, right of people to do. 
So what you see is that uh, if I look at other countries, they have very nice apps, they have mobility apps, they use mobile phone data, they use all kinds of uh, tools, and they're doing it on mostly not always on the China way, they do it mostly on a privacy-sensitive privacy uh, way, so they take privacy really into account. Uh, but in our country, I think it's extra difficult. And for being a company, it's all make it, it's a real hurdle because if you get into the news and they claim of you that you um, uh, did not took uh, took privacy into account, even if it's legal right and if everything is allowed, it's just a, a news article could really harm your business. So that's uh, uh, that attitude is really important. Um, I think. So On the other hand, you should be very cautious, of course, and, and take all measures. Yeah, we need to be cautious, but as I hear it, it's not so. It's not a problem with with collecting the data, but a problem with the support from society. So, a call to action could also yeah. be something like uh, more communication towards the public and and give them a reason to uh, to understand or to to share the data. Yeah, it's, it's not about how do you get trust from the public to actually use the, and process the data. I think that's a very important uh, thing. Yeah, okay, so that, that would be a good thing. Well, um, thank you very much. Um, May Offermans from CBS. I'm, I'm still a little bit shocked about the position of the Netherlands, but we're, we're working on that and we'll see if there are some solutions and if there are some uh, parties who, who say we can we can help solving that problem by communication or in some other way. Uh, we also have uh, Joost de Bruin from uh, Dat Mobility, and I'd like to ask him if if there's any uh, any call to action on on what is possible. Joost, are you there? Is your mic on? No, I think your mic is still off. Joost de Bruin from Dat Mobility. You're on mute, Joost. I don't know if you can hear me. Would it be possible to unmute? Yes, I'm there, I guess. Oh, yeah, yes, I didn't find the button uh, up till now. Okay, um, thank you for the invitation. Um, uh, well, I think uh, May Offermount uh, just uh, touched a really important issue in the Netherlands. Um, uh, I'm director of a highly specialized company in, uh, in mobility. Um, uh, it's a big consulting firm and within this consulting firm we have a special unit that mobility which is aiming at the use of data and modeling techniques and, and analytics to process all kinds of data which would help to uh, have a better policy regarding mobility. Uh, of course this landscape has totally changed uh, due to COVID-19 and also there are big issues for example about uh, how can we still continue uh, our public transport system uh, when not so many people are on board or could be on board. Um, uh, as a matter of fact, uh, in, in the past, we have been working with uh, a lot of uh, data, also privacy sensitive data. Uh, so sometimes there are windows, even in the Netherlands, to do this, um, uh, like, like mobile phone data, and also um, traces of people. Um, and hearing um, uh, the, the contributions of the, of, the, of the other speakers, I think uh, there's also big value in knowing where people come from and go to uh, when they uh, visit events. 
or when they visit an airport or get into a plane. Um, and um, as, as a more intermediate party between uh, mainly the governmental, uh, government or governmental organizations and technology providers, uh, we know there are also SDKs ready uh, which can be implemented to trace people wherever they are. Of course, such a solution should be um, based on consent of, of the people installing such an app. Uh, but it would provide in uh, a lot of knowledge about where people come from and go to and who they might interact with. Yeah, so that, that's actually your biggest obstacle, as, as I also heard at CBS, is actually the people getting their consent. Is there any, any other call to action that you, you can say somebody who would be contributing to a solution in some way? Well, well another um, issue is that I think we need to think about what organization we need, uh, well, in, in the Netherlands in any way, but also in Europe, about the business cases involved in, the, in solutions we are looking for. So um, in the world of today, uh, um, the, the business case based on uh, advertisements is very big. And um, uh, of course, this has um, uh, consequences for uh, the data ownership uh, and, and is related to privacy and how, how comfortable people will feel uh, sharing their data. Um, so I think, uh, this is where where we have to invest more thoughts and, and come together to think uh, about the design of an organization which will tackle uh, this problem. Okay, and what type of stakeholder would you invite to dive into that? Um, yeah, good question. Um, <laughs> and in, in, in the Netherlands, anyway, there's a big discussion. We don't want the China model and we don't want the, uh, the model of the United States where, uh, like the Googles, uh, own all the data. Um, we want something we want in the between. government to own it. We don't want the big data companies to own it. Yes. <laughs> so what, what yeah. is our European uh, data uh, organization there? And I think we have to get this in place and, and know how we will organize uh, things and, and where ownership lies and where guarantees lie about privacy and et cetera. Uh, I so think the government has a big role there. Uh, maybe CBS will uh, pick up this, this issue as, as a <laughs> highly specialized data-oriented uh, organization of the government, but th this is a big issue. <laughs> Yeah, I understand. Well, yeah, then you go back to the government. But I think, uh, especially since we're now talking about collective business cases, I think that would, would, would maybe offer a good solution for ownership of data. I'd like to also have a few words with Gerard Kanters uh, from Centillion. He was at the Smart Distance Lab uh, doing all kinds of measurements and now owning all that data. Gerard. No, I don't own the data. No, no. But we have access to the data. That's, that's basically it. The ownership of the data is... Uh, the Ministry of uh, Economic Affairs. Um, uh, we uh, sure had uh, uh, struggles with uh, uh, the Privacy uh, Act in the Netherlands. AVG is called, is uh, basically uh, the same as the GDPR in uh, in Europe. Um, and we solved that by uh, using totally anonymous uh, data of uh, of people. 
uh, we use cameras, um, but we had uh, one a set of cameras who were on top of people, so you don't recognize people. You only see the basically the heads uh, of uh, of people, and uh, we use thermal cameras. And with thermal cameras, uh, it is impossible to recognize uh, people. You only see basically. Um, uh, uh, well, you see that it's, it's a human, but you don't see the face because the, the, the temperature of the face is always the same. So it's a really, a, a, well, a white spot, <laughs> white round. You, don't, you cannot recognize people uh, based on that. But you do can, you, you can recognize uh, that it is a human. Uh, and you can do measurements uh, based on that. Like the measurements we had to do was uh, distance. Uh, are people taking one and a half meter um, uh, distance? Uh, for, that was one of the most important things uh, to be measured. If you enjoyed this session, you can download the entire video broadcast at our website. That's www.ideasfrom.eu. Until next week, I'd like to thank you for downloading our podcast and I wish you a great week. And if you're in the Netherlands, a very happy Easter break. Don't forget to wrap up warm.